Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hello everyone and welcome to Stem Cells at Lunch Digested. Today we have with us Dr Francesca Spagnoli from King's College London. Uh, hi Francesca, how, how, are you? how are you doing? Hello, thank you. I'm good. And what about you? I'm great, thanks. So because I know that we have, um, we have in, in our audience some uh, PhD students or um, some other people who might uh, be interested in a career in, in science. I wanted to ask you, first of all, to kind of talk to us a bit briefly about your background and how you got to do what you do today. I'm an MD as training. So I studied, um, I did medical school. And uh, when I started medical school, I, I kind of knew that I was interested in in research, but I wanted to have the medical background to then to to be able to translate better uh, on what I mean, my, my research. So I decided instead of doing uh, biological science or chemistry, I, I just went for the medical studies. And because I also wanted to leave it open, I didn't know if at the end maybe uh, I, was, I would enjoy the clinical work. And actually, no, I, I think I was kind of already right and uh, in my initial decision. So I really enjoyed the, the research and the basic science, but I liked the, the medical perspective. Right? So during my medical studies, then I did a, an MD-PhD uh, path. Uh, so I finished, I completed my medical study in Italy. I did my board as well, but I never really practiced and I, I didn't want to do a residency. So after my medical study, I embarked into a PhD. And I decided to leave and join a group at Pasteur Institute in Paris. And then from there, I never really went. So I stayed close to, to the translational part or to the medical field, but I never went back to the clinic. And um, it was my choice, essentially. Uh, yeah, and then after my PhD, I, I decided then to go on with a, a postdoc. And I joined, uh, I moved to the US and did my postdoc at Rockefeller University. And after my postdoc, I wanted to, to set up my lab and I started to yeah, consider different um, opportunities. So I started, um, I went on a on job market and uh, it was either to stay in the US or to move back to Europe. And um, for personal reason, uh, I mean, I'm in, originally Italian, my husband is French. We thought that it was maybe the right time either to stay in the US or to move back. So I did job marketing in both. And I got a very good offer at the time in Berlin, in Germany. And I thought, oh, why not? I never lived in Germany. So <laughs> and uh, and the, I mean, I have to say that the conditions to start the group were really good, were very attractive. I take opportunities as they come along, let's say. Right. Thank you. That's great. You've talked to us um, at length about some of your research earlier in the, in the seminar. Um, but for anyone who might have missed the talks, um, could you briefly describe the type of research that your lab focuses on? As I mentioned, we um, study uh, biological problems with the clinical relevance, with the direct medical application. So uh, since I started, basically since my postdoc, I started um, studying the, um, how pancreatic beta cells are formed in an embryo during development uh, with the idea then of applying this knowledge to uh, 
the uh, current efforts in the diabetes field to um, generate functional pancreatic islet cells that could be used uh, one day for uh, cell replacement therapies in diabetic patients. And in the lab, so today during my talk, I mostly focus on some recent work that we are doing where we really try really try to dissect and study the um, crosstalk, so how the pancreatic cells themselves, they see their surrounding environment and how they talk with the cells around and how the cells which are surrounding the pancreas, they can send signals for cells either to grow or to mature, to, to survival signals and so on. Another side of the lab is, um, I didn't discuss at all uh, during my talk today, is more focusing on uh, gastrointestinal plasticity. And essentially, we um, study a very fascinating connection, close connection between the pancreas and its close neighbor, which is the liver. We try to understand really um, what makes the difference, why a cell decides uh, in an embryo to become pancreas instead of liver, and then can we use the same, this same knowledge, the same information, actually to convert the liver cell into pancreas. So, so far, all the work in the uh, cell replacement therapy field is to um, use the stem cells and differentiate them into islet cells. This other aspect of our work, it would be, uh, you know, to look at the question in a different way, and instead of using stem cells, maybe we could use uh, liver cells from the same patient. Re one important reason is because the liver is the largest organ of our body, is relatively accessible with the uh, liver biopsy, and the liver regenerates, while the pancreas has problems are regenerating. Uh, yeah, that's, that's super interesting, actually. And I actually wanted to ask you, so you mentioned in uh, now as well and in the talk, um, that there is a very important role that the environment um, in the body plays for um, how the different organs and different cells um, develop. And because you also mentioned that one of the issues um, that we had in the field was trying to make beta cells, so insulin producing cells in the pancreas, trying to make these cells um, and trying to have them be functional uh, in, in the lab. Do you believe that trying to recreate this environment in the, in the lab when we, we try to uh, generate these, these cells could, could help with um, this maturation process to make uh, the cells that we regenerate functional, like the ones that we want to replace? Yes, I think uh, basically, um, yeah, you got it right. I think that's maybe what we are, what we have, what we miss at the moment in the current protocols. We try to reproduce the environment, but so far we have tried to reproduce the environment only by adding uh, soluble factors, so a series of a bunch of growth factors, signaling factors, but we don't, um, we completely neglected about the cell-cell interaction that the cells they make also. We tried a bit to reproduce the 3D aspects, but we reproduce it always in a kind of a random way. Something that I think is very important is actually to try to be able to recreate the proper position and the right uh, three-dimensional interaction between cells. And then, of course, the ex like the also the matrix protein, so the structure which really surrounds the the organs and the islet in um, in normal life, in an embryo, but also in the adult. And I think that this environment again um, has been also poorly explored in the context of disease, because at the end, diabetes is an autoimmune disease, and um, and maybe we should look more carefully also in the immune cells during the, the development and what is 
you know, the problem in the way they talk to the beta cells or the pancreatic cells in, uh, in the, yeah, in, in the, during the formation of the organ. And I know that there is some work that has started in the field. So people are looking into that. That's great. Where do you see um, your research going in the future? Are there any exciting topics in the, in the field that you would like to look into a bit more or something that you'd want your lab to kind of cover? I, I really like the embryo. So I really like to continue to study things in vivo. But I think is um, it would be really great, you know, to further understand the mechanistic aspects if we could be able to reproduce this um, outside the embryo. And so that's why we had this uh, idea. Uh, so I, st- I initiated this consortium about the bioprinting because um, I think it, it has is a technology that has these uh, potentialities of combining the different cell types together, but also respecting, you know, the exact same ratio of cells that you need to build uh, a particular organ and, and again, the position, so the three-dimensional position. So this type of, uh, of work uh, will um, has just started and will continue uh, to, to, to expand in my lab during embryo, but also we are um, interested in moving this also a bit more into the adult. Tying into that, because I know that in your lab, as you as you were saying, you're looking like as a model, you use uh, the mouse embryo, but also I know there's some research happening in uh, human stem cells, and I wanted to ask if you see any like for the for the questions that you're asking and your um, that your lab is asking, are there any major differences between these models, and what is the advantage of looking at both of them? I I always like comparative approaches, so I spent my entire career looking at many different species and embryos because I think uh, that is um, what is really uh, essential is conserved but sometimes actually we learn a lot from differences so the uh, human pancreatic uh, development has has not really been uh, explored much now thanks to the the stem cell and the, the access to the pluripotent stem cells Initially, most of the work was done to generate the cells for the cell replacement, but actually now realize that this is a great model also to model the, the development. And so that's how we, we have started having better ideas of what is really conserved, what is not. For what we know so far, overall, the major, the main process, uh, developmental process are uh, conserved. And that's why the protocols that we all use in the field to differentiate the stem cells into pancreatic cells, they are actually based on molecules, signaling factors that were discovered in the mouse. And nobody has ever looked in the human if you know they were produced by the same type of cells. So this is that's why with this work that I presented on the um, you know surrounding microenvironment, we thought that it was really in- important to start looking if in the human all the surrounding microenvironment is the same. So we are only at the beginning uh, about the microenvironment. We still don't know if it's all um, signals are there at the same exact uh, time point. For the little work that we did in the lab, we, we could identify uh, similar um, factors, uh, genes, proteins, which are expressed also in the human mesenchyme. What it changed, at least again, in just this specific study, sometimes it was the time points. So something that we found in the mouse that was maybe uh, relevant uh, at a certain developmental time, in the human stem cell model, we realized that actually it was important earlier. And now we don't know if this is because the human stem cell uh, differentiation model is still 
you know, artefactually and an ex vivo, or if it's in the human embryo, it might be really different. So let's say anatomically, uh, in terms of uh, gene expression, a lot of signatures are uh, similar, but uh, until we don't really look, we cannot comprehensively say. Now, I mean, thanks also to the Human Cell Atlas, they are, uh, I know that there is ongoing work also in sequencing embryonic tissue, so uh, for the liver has been done, uh, the um, thymus uh, and uh, the pancreas hopefully will be done also soon. You asked me also where I'm going in the, in the direction, this idea of spatially mapping the, the mesenchyme and the um, other micro surrounding microenvironment, we are want to translate these also into human tissue. That's actually really interesting. So thank you. Thank you very much for telling us about, about your research and about the approaches that you take the research in your lab. I think it's, it's very educational and definitely very interesting to learn about all the different facets of it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you as well. It's very nice to have had you here with us today. And thank you to everybody uh, listening as well. And this has been uh, Stemson at Lunch uh, Digested. And we will see you soon.